Welcome back, everybody. We continue to roll along right here. Jimmy BNTC on the Big Talker 1700. As always, welcoming in on a day like today for his insightful commentary, it is Zuba Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, as always, welcome. And how excited now are you and everybody else at the network now that NFL training camps are opening up? Oh, it's huge. I think on Wednesday, I was doing the show late last night, and I think we had counted just Wednesday alone, 22 teams had reported. And obviously there's a, a ton of storylines from Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr.'s health and how that might help Eli Manning to what's going on with the 49ers, to what's going on with the Jets' continual every single year Quarterback competition, and that's an underrated story. Like, every year, it's two or three guys. Andrew Luck, obviously, was a huge story yesterday. Julio Jones showing up today was a really big story. That broke late last night. It didn't look like that was going to happen. Uh, Khalil Mack and the Raiders are at an impasse, and obviously Gruden back after 10 years. So, I mean, just that nearly three-quarters of the NFL reported yesterday, plus the Bears and Baltimore and whomever else had reported before that for the Hall of Fame game. Jerry Jones made some interesting comments yesterday. It's really unbelievable. It's great, great to have it back. There was some great baseball yesterday. I mean, some really great baseball with Trout, Pujols, and Otani going yard in the, in the same game for the first time ever. Um, Chris Davidson, unbelievably clutch home run. Charlie Blackman did a huge clutch home run. But to so many of our viewers, those three hits were gigantic. I mean, two of those three teams are desperately trying to get to the playoffs. Um, but it paled the comparison to uh, pictures of guys strolling into the facility with a backpack on. I mean, like, that was a bigger story than all of those great baseball plays yesterday. It really was. And football drives things. Zubin, you're going to be gearing up for a lot more NFL coverage coming up this season. And I uh, want to start with you in the, in the Midwest, in the Minnesota Vikings. What happened uh, over the weekend, the tragic passing of Tony Sperano, the Vikings NFC Championship game a year ago. We know how it got away from them certainly in that matchup with the Eagles, but a lot of expectations. Zubin, you've been in this market, you know, Vikings fans out there and, and watching it from afar throughout the years. At least seems to me, whenever the Vikings seem to have these heightened expectations, they take a step back. Great roster, good defense. What do you think of the Minnesota Vikings in 2018? I love the fact that they're going for it. Um, I love Spielman. I've always sort of liked him. But I think for me, the biggest thing with them is they saw where they were a year ago. I mean, that play is going to be that play, the miracle in Minnesota. But to me, I think they look at it and say, look, you know, the Buffalo Bills make it all the discussion about being a team that's been in the Super Bowl and lost four times. But so have they. And, yeah, theirs didn't come four in a row and all this sort of stuff. And a lot of it happened in the 70s versus the 90s and all that sort of thing. But they have a pretty tortured history. And they have been on the precipice with Coach Grant. And now it's a completely different era but I applaud the fact that they went to get Kirk Cousins. Although I tend to look at everything right now, right now, before we play a game, from a very macro standpoint, in the sense that where else is there left to go for the Vikings? So, and I understand mm -hmm. a, a ton of things came together for Case Keenum. If you take out Case Keenum's 2017 season and take a look at him the rest of the way as a starter, you wouldn't be that enthused. But I'm not going to take credit away from a guy that just rises to the occasion. The sample size seems to indicate he's not as good as what he was a year ago. I don't think that's a groundbreaking statement, but I think a lot of people would argue that he's an average quarterback that had Adam Thielen, that had a great defense, 
right place, right time, all that sort of thing. But to me, even if you don't want to give Case Keenum that credit, and even if you say, all right, now he was pretty good, they rode the magic carpet wave all the way, magic carpet ride all the way to the NFC title game, I mean, essentially what you're saying is we upgraded at that position, got the best guy that we thought was on the market. And, I mean, to me, from a macro sense, there's only one step left, you know? So if the Vikings were to somehow have a drop-back season, as you indicate, maybe just because of their history, but maybe because they knocked Aaron Rodgers out in one game, and Aaron Rodgers will be healthy. And there's a lot of buzz, although I don't know, but there's a lot of buzz that the Bears are going to be a lot better. Let's just say it's not 13-3 and three again. Let's say they're 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five and just as good, but the best quarterback in football, according to many, is back and healthy in their own division. Um, was signing Kirk Cousins worth it? Uh, it's, it's not a one-year play. I get it. Um, Cousins is more interested in his money, but it's one of those situations where you look at it and say, we're one step away from the Super Bowl. That's literally where we are. We are one step, one play away from perhaps yep. being in the Super Bowl if we could have gone to Philly and then taken care of business. Um, but if you're one game short, if you're one game short of the Super Bowl in your eyes and you upgraded the most important position in team sports and you don't get back to the Super Bowl, you, or get to the Super Bowl, excuse me, I think you got to question and say, did we put all of our chips in at the right point for the right guy? I don't think this is a one-year play, like I said, but I think if you take a look at last year and what they did this year, the reasonable expectation is getting to the Super Bowl but I think it's very reasonable, even for a Vikings fan, to say, you know what, this may not be our year. Are you saying then, essentially, that you would concede the division to the Green Bay Packers? Is that kind of where you're going with this or not? Oh, no, I, I wouldn't say that so much, Jim. I would just say that the idea that they should be the favorite, that they should be 13-3 and three, uh, last year with a somewhat pedestrian quarterback, and if you upgrade from pedestrian to let's say upper-middle class, because Kirk Cousins still has really not even proven himself in a single playoff game. But if you go from being middle-class to upper-middle class at the most important position on the field, you still bring back a strong defense, a strong coaching staff, minus Tony Sperano, very sad story there, as you mentioned, Trent, that I think the natural assumption is, you know, it's sort of like if the Red Sox were to add two pieces at the deadline, well, we're already the best team in baseball. We were already the first team to 70 wins. If we add a couple of guys here, we'll just be better than we were yesterday. And I think a lot of people look at the Vikings and say, well, if we were 13-3 and three and upgraded at the most posi- important position on the field, there's nowhere to go but up. The problem is your head is so close to the ceiling right now with the Vikings that there's only one step to go. But I certainly think the return of Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck, Ryan Tannehill to a smaller extent are some of the biggest stories uh, in the NFL. And obviously this is a team you've got to play twice and a team that for the most part has dominated the division uh, when he's healthy. So I think that's kind of just an interesting sidelight. I just don't think that it's going to be nearly as easy as they think because we tend to base so much stuff off of last year. Well, last year the Vikings were this, but how many times have we been on this show and other shows where you look at it and say, here are last year's playoff teams, and then you look at the strength of schedule, and then you realize half the playoff field flips almost every single year. If I'm not mistaken, hasn't the NFC South, hasn't every team gone from like, Worst to first, right? So you never quite know what you're getting into. So I, I just think the Vikings deserve the benefit of the doubt. But you have to be really cognizant of who's in the division, who's back, who's hungry, and who's motivated. Let's take a trip down to Kansas City. The AFC West this year appears to be wide open. But they go from 
Oh, wh- however you want to describe Alex Smith to the young upstart. They drafted quarterback in the first round in over 30 years. A season ago, bringing in Patrick Mahomes, and the reins are his. We know he's got a strong arm, good athleticism, everything you want out of a quarterback, but he didn't win a whole lot of games in college at Texas Tech. Where are you at with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, I like what they've done. They, in fact, to your point, Trent, they actually, not only did they draft him with that three-decade comment you made, they actually even traded up to get him, right? So it had been that long since they had gotten somebody at that spot, but also they were jonesing enough to go get him. He did play in one regular season game last year in terms of a start. It was a game that didn't mean anything. They played the Denver Broncos in the final regular season game. The Chiefs were in the playoffs. The Broncos were essentially out. He looked okay there, very hard to develop any sort of opinion watching that because there's really nothing on the line for either team. But I will tell you this. I'm much more bullish on Alex Smith, and I think most NFL fans are than most fantasy owners are. I think his reputation in the league is a lot better than he gets credit for the whole game manager thing. I think there's a ton of teams secretly, if you said Alex Smith could be our starting quarterback, I don't think Green Bay is going to sign up. I don't think Minnesota would sign up. I don't think New England would sign up or San Francisco or Seattle. But I think there's plenty of teams that would say we'd love to have Alex Smith as our starting quarterback. The reason I really like this move for the Chiefs is, to me, it's a little bit similar to what we were talking about with the Vikings, mm-hmm. which is the Chiefs are going for it. You know, they have won the Super Bowl. They've had Len Dawson. They've had Joe Montana. They've had a good history there. And to me, Alex Smith is a good quarterback, much better than I think that most people give him credit for, as I said. But I think uh, they looked at it. The Hunts looked at it. Andy Reid looked at it. And they just said, we're not going to be able to win the Super Bowl with this guy. And that's no demerit. Like, that's some sort of, like, black mark against people. Like, oh, my goodness, we've got to get rid of this. We've got to get rid of this guy. We can't win the Super Bowl with this guy. But it's been proven over the course of time, unless your last name is, like, Wilson, Roethlisberger, Old Brady. I mean, it's a small breeze. There's a small group of people in the NFL that can walk around saying that they've done that at this particular juncture, current quarterbacks that have won Super Bowl. So I think once they determine he's a really good quarterback, We'll get real good value for him. He did a really good job for us, but our goal is to win the Super Bowl. The Buffalo Bills' goal last year was to snap the NFL's longest playoff drought, and Tyrod Taylor did it for him. And Tyrod Taylor got paid, and everyone's happy because that was their goal. But I think the Chiefs' goal is we are good enough to win the Super Bowl. We have the fan support. We have the roster. We have the coach. We have great skill position players who have drafted particularly well over the years. And I think they look at it and say, if Alex Smith's not going to be the guy to win us the Super Bowl – They have no idea if Patrick Mahomes is, but I love the fact that they're willing to say, this guy isn't, so let's gamble on somebody who might be. There's a very good chance Patrick Mahomes' career is not nearly as good as Alex Smith's. There's a chance it's better. But I think they looked at it and said, there's probably a 0% chance we win the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is an unknown, so let's roll the dice and see what happens. I applaud any organization like Minnesota, like Kansas City, that says we're not good enough where we are right now. Not sure if we're good enough to win the whole thing, but let's go for it. If you're a fan base, what more do you want than the Toronto Raptors going after Kawhi? Does that mean you're going to win the NBA title? No, but you're definitely closer than you were the day before you had Kawhi and what Daryl Morey's done with the Rockets. So it may not pay off in the title for Houston, Toronto, Minnesota Vikings, or Kansas City Chiefs, but if my GM and my ownership is consistently trying to make us better, by upgrading every day, what more could you want as a fan? 
Zub Mahente is our guest. Uh, quickly to Trent's uh, favorite NFL team, the Chicago Bears. Are they going to be any better? Will Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback be better? Will the Bears be better? And can they hang around and make things interesting in the black and blue division or not? I think they can certainly make it interesting. I'm amazed at how much is being written about how much the Bears can move up this quickly. Um, I think there's a, there's a cavalcade of opinions on exactly what they got out of Trubisky last year, and there's enough people to say that they didn't get much out of him last year. I think there's other people that would say they got some shades last year and they looked okay. My biggest thing with them is I'm a big fan of their head coach because I think their head coach is doing what a lot of coaches are doing now, and he's adopting a lot more principles. I think you're looking at Trubisky as a different sort of mobile quarterback that can do some things in and out of the pocket, and Nagy has been pretty clear about them getting to a stage where they want to incorporate all levels of football to make things work. They have an atypical quarterback with not a lot of experience, and you may need to try some different things with him. The Bears have been stung by some of their draft picks over the years, particularly like Kevin White, guys that just can't stay healthy, and you're drafting these guys in the first round, and that's who your quarterback needs. You need guys like that out there for your quarterback to be successful, and that hasn't really worked for them. But I love what they did in the first round on defense. And at the same token, I really, really like the fact that their coach is coming from a place like Kansas City where they've had a good lot of spread-out success on offense. And, you know, look, I mean, uh, Nagy could do a good job. Uh, Peterson came from that same Reed tree and won the Super Bowl. I think those offensive minds can mesh rather well. So if Nagy's anything like the offensive mind that Doug Peterson or Coach Andy Reid is, considering they still came from the same family tree, I think the Bears feel like they're in a good position. But he is definitely a lot more wide open and a lot more diverse than, say, Mark Tressman or Dick Duran or some of these other guys. Even Lovey Smith, who was more of a defensive guy, granted got him to the Super Bowl, not going to take anything away from Lovey there. He just feels like a guy that's just a lot more wide open in what he plans to do. And while the NFL is certainly not college football in terms of spread, you could definitely sense the game is opening up a little bit more than normal. Zubin, I uh, want to jump over to a little college football talk with you as we get ready for week one. And uh, a big game to kick things off, Notre Dame-Michigan in the Midwest. Zubin, uh, that is a monster. Who's this more important to, Jim Harbaugh or Brian Kelly? It's a great question. It's been posed a lot the last couple of days. I think it's more important for Jim Harbaugh. Um, Brian Kelly is coming off a 10-win season. The problem with Notre Dame is their finishes have been tough. Last year they were, I believe, 8-1 and one to start the year. They lost two of their final four games. Um, he's fired some coordinators, and it's really just been tough. I mean, we discussed this on, on Ken's show earlier. You know, last year the win over Georgia, the something of USC, they have played well early in the season, but they just don't know how to close. But it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier for him to roll through September, October, and parts of November take a little bit of a crushing in November. If they get lucky, get themselves into a pretty good bowl game because of who they are and what they've done. And then basically say, look, we uh, just beat LSU in a bowl game, or we have 10 wins. I mean, what do you really want here? Obviously what they want is a national title. It's been 30 years since they won the national championship. But I think for, you know, Brian Kelly's also had a four-win season too. He's also finished fourth in the country the year they lost to Alabama. So while there is pressure on him, believe it or not, this is his ninth year on the job at Notre Dame. I still think there's more pressure on Harbaugh. Um, I think you saw it at Big Ten Media Days. I mean, you know, not to be reminded, they have not finished higher than third in the Big Ten East. Um, they still have to play Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, uh, and Ohio State 
every year. I mean, that is a possibility of three L's every year in the division, and you most likely are not going to win the Big Ten East with two or three losses, and obviously if you can't win the East, you can't get into the title game, whereas Notre Dame finds themselves playing five ACC games, can probably get the benefit of the doubt from the committee if they could be finishing as a one-loss team, whereas Michigan's schedule, and again, Notre Dame's schedule is aggressively too. They have USC, Stanford in most years. Navy's been very competitive. But I just sort of feel like Brian Kelly has done enough at the start of season where he's been able to hold off some critics, whereas if Jim Harbaugh gets off to another tough start, it could be really, really difficult. Um, I, think, I think Notre Dame has their quarterback in Wimbush. I think Book will push him. I think Michigan has their quarterback in Patterson, and I think under all auspices that Patterson would be generally seen probably as better than Wimbush. But Wimbush is a year in the system, and Patterson's just learning on the fly, going from the SEC to the Big Ten. So while they even might have the quarterback advantage, they don't have the familiarity advantage because Michigan and Patterson are getting used to each other in the first quarter of the first game, whereas Wimbush might be less talented or less heralded, but at least he's got a system a year under the system of Brian Kelly. So I think the answer is Michigan. Zubin, uh, we'll let you go on a, uh, on a little uh, work uh, situation. There at ESPN, uh, Keith Oberman returns to SportsCenter. Uh, just kind of break it down, what it was like. Uh, I enjoyed watching Oberman again. Uh, Trent said earlier on the program today that he enjoyed watching him as well. What was it like with Oberman back in the studio? Yeah, I mean, he's just a different sort of guy. And I, I said this to Trent the other day, and I think this is, to me, probably the best acknowledgement I could give him. Um, most people spend a career, I mean, you know this, Jim, I mean, you've been in sports your whole life, I've been in sports my whole life, Trent's been in sports the whole life. You spend your whole career trying to make your mark in sports. And for a lot of people, if we're lucky enough, like all of us, to hang on, we can do it for decades. And then you just hope to try to do as well as you can or achieve whatever goals you have when you start out. And to me, Oberman has done that times two. You know, he has done everything you could possibly want in the sports realm. He's worked on Sports Center in its golden age. Um, he's hosted Football Night in America, which is one of the highest-rated programs in all of television when he was hosting it with Bob Costas and Dan Patrick and Peter King and all those sorts of guys. Um, he's also worked at Fox, and that's just in the sports realm. And then he has worked on NBC Nightly News. He's anchored major political coverage in our country, and I think anybody that's been paying attention since probably the year 2000 on, knows how important major political coverage is in our country and how much attention it gets and how it's been able to essentially overtake the country in terms of feelings and emotions. And he's been on the front edge of that. Whatever you think about his politics, he has been there front and center when we're electing the 44th president of the United States, the 45th, the 43rd president of the United States. I mean, all of those things have been there. Uh, Let me correct myself. I'll take 45 out. He wasn't there for Trump, but he's certainly there for Bush and Obama. So he's been there for a huge portion of major political history and a huge portion of major sports history, whereas the average Joe is trying to make his mark in one. He's done it in both. And I pose this to Trent, and Jim, I'll pose it to you. The only other guy that I can think of that has really had that level of success at that pinnacle of sports and news, the only guy I can think of, and you know, you've been around a long time, the only guy I can think of is Brian Cumble, right? Hosting the Today Show and hosting yes. the Olympics. I can't think of anybody else. And by the way, I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about it because it's a very, very exclusive group, so I'm not racking my brain that I can't find another person. There may not be another person 
because that's such a hard group to get into. But if you look at it as somebody like Gumble and somebody like Overman and the diversity of stuff they've been able to do at the highest level, to me that says a lot. Keep in mind, there's a lot of people here that, uh, you know, they don't remember him from ESPN or MSNBC because so many of our viewers are in that 20 to 26 to 27 range that all three of us remember him from ESPN. His last Sports Center performance prior to Sunday, Jim, was in June of 1997. But there are wow. so many people that don't know him from ESPN or MSNBC because he's 59 and they're 20-something. So we've got to do a good mm-hmm. job of letting those people know that, hey, this guy, he may seem a little out of your demographic. He's almost three times as old as you. But this guy is the guy you want to listen to. Um, but that's our job to make that happen for people that are, a bit, let's right. say, half our age. Everybody in our age group, I think, already knows. But the next generation of viewers is coming up, and we need to inform them of that. Awesome stuff. Uh, Zubin, uh, yeah, yeah, Zubin, quickly. Um, the best Oberman moment for me was when they sent him from SportsCenter over to ESPN2, and they had him on the air in like a leather jacket. And he opened the show by saying, Hi, I'm Keith Oberman. Welcome to the end of my broadcasting career. <laughs> that was a classic. That was, I believe, in 1993 with Susie Culver. Out there today, yes. there's an iconic photo of that. I believe Olbermann was rocking an unbelievable stash at that time as well. Yes. That picture is out there. Lastly, I'll give you one quote, Trent. I know you heard this before. But to give you follow-up to your quote, when I asked Keith on Sunday how long he was going to be with us, because uh, I had not seen him and I knew he was going to be doing Sports Center for a while, he wryly answered to me, I don't know, until they get rid of me the next time. So enjoy me while you have me. So that's a very, very <laughs> Olbermann sort of thing to say. On day one, by the way. Day one. <laughs> oh, absolutely love it. Good stuff. Hey, Zubin, thanks as always so much for your time. We'll do it again next week. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Zubin Mahente, you see him on SportsCenter, and he joins us here today on Jimmy B and TC. As we get a timeout, coming back with more on the other side with you till 6 o'clock tonight on 1700. And welcome back, everybody. We continue right here on the Big Talker 1700. Andrew Garda, you've heard him on our program many times. Uh, Pro Football Weekly on the NFL, and NFL camps are now beginning to open up. Some players hold out. Other players have come in. Andrew's here to separate all of the information for us. Andrew, hello to you, and how jacked are you now that the camps are starting to get into gear here? Uh, it's great. We're out of the we're out of the desert. I mean, I know there's baseball, and and I like baseball, even though my teams always suck. But <laughs> it's so good to finally have some football. We actually are going to get to see guys doing stuff, even if they're not hitting yet. Uh, we could finally start uh, start figuring out what really is going on for any of these players. It's uh, that time of year, and contracts at the forefront of things. A lot of conversations out there about uh, what guys are going to do. I want to start here on the local front. want to get the latest on Rokon Smith with the Chicago Bears. He has the same agency that uh, represented Joey Bosa a couple of years back as he sat out uh, through the first three preseason games. We don't see this a whole lot anymore with rookies as the salary scale is slotted, but sounds like there's more than meets the eye here with Roquan Smith and, and as it was with Bosa in terms of the contract, not just the money, there's more going on here. What's the latest you're hearing on him? Well, I mean, it seems like to an extent, I mean, like you said, things are pretty slotted. So, you know, the money isn't really the issue. What ends up being the issue, especially with, uh, you know, higher rounds, 
is is an extra year. Um, you know, it, it it's usually the teams are trying to hang on to it, and the player wants a slightly shorter contract so they can so they can renegotiate and get that big payday before uh, before they get old, you know, <laughs> or mm-hmm. before they get hurt. Um, so, I mean, I think that's really what the hang-up is right now, is trying to work out the wording and, and when he's going to get a shot at that big uh, that big contract. I think now that camp has started, uh, you're probably going to see a little bit more movement. Both the Bears and he his camp are going to be very motivated to get that going so he can get on the field. So I, I think probably in the next week we'll see that. There are very few rookies not signed right now. So uh, I think there's also even more impetus to kind of get it done. You, you have to lay of the land. You know what everybody's taking. You know uh, all the length of everybody's contracts. You know everything's going on. It's just a handful of guys, so really there's not much wiggle room for rookies. Um, I'm curious also about the Oakland Raiders. Khalil Mack, their best player on defense, uh, is going to be a holdout and is holding out with new head coach John Gruden. Does this look to be the beginning of a firestorm, or is it just a case in point that, okay, uh, Mac's not going to be there, it wouldn't have mattered who the coach is? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, and it's interesting. You know, we've, we just saw Todd Gurley paid. We saw Julio Jones get some sort of extension or renegotiation. Uh, you know, Brandon Cook's got a ridiculous contract, and yet we have two of the best defensive players in the NFL, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, without extensions and it's sort of really interesting i know we're in a in a space where you know it's a, it's a quarterback's league it's an offensive league but you still need defense to win and to me khalil mack is a huge part of whether the raiders can succeed this year or not in in a in a relatively competitive afc west and um what's really interesting is what you start to hear is that john gruden hasn't talked to him yet now that doesn't preclude you know, him reaching out and Mac not reaching back or, you know, any number of efforts on his part or Mac's part to talk. But it kind of worries me when John Gruden, who has been all hands on deck, I mean, this guy, his his fingerprints, his footprints, his nose prints are all over this franchise already. He's the $100 million man. He hasn't talked to Kilo Mac yet. And that, to me, does not, that doesn't feel good. You know, like Aaron Donald is slightly different situation because at least the sides are talking but it, it feels like you know and, and at least the coaching staff is talking to, to donald on occasion but it feels to me like n- the fact that gruden's not talking to mac i mean I, I already i'm predisposed to not feel very positive about this john gruden <laughs> experience with the raiders it feels like he wants to take it back to like 1992 and and the league's a much different place right now but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's got to get this. He's got to talk to this guy, and that to me is the biggest concern. Is it doesn't seem like there's a dialogue with the coaching staff. Forget you know the franchise itself around money. Andrew, uh, another one that appears to be finished up is Julio Jones. They're going to uh, relook at things after this upcoming season. Here, do you got a problem with these guys though? Sign the contract, but realize as the changing demographics of the NFL happen. They deserve more. Do you have a problem with what Julio and some of these other players are going through? Um, no, not really. And, and the reason I don't is twofold. One, uh, it's a short career. You know, for every Tom Brady who seems to be ready to play, you know, for 100 years, uh, a lot of these guys run five to seven years. You know, so maybe you get a, a bite at the big contract apple once. Uh, if you're a guy like Julio, you're an elite guy like him or Le'Veon Bell or, you know, that, that – you have a shot at another contract, 
and you know you have a small period of time to do it. And on top of it, listen, it, he's done with the guaranteed money, right? I don't think the Falcons are going to do this, but let's roll out this scenario. No more guaranteed money. He gets banged up or hurt or something happens in the early part of the season. They can cut him, and he gets nothing from here on out. Now, of course, he's got money saved. He's in a good position. Like These guys are making pretty good money. This is more of something that I think would be a concern for a younger or like lesser known player, you know, fifth round draft pick, still start, you know, who's stuck around for several years, and you know, every contract is is a big deal for him. But you know, these guys can get cut at any minute, and once the guaranteed money is gone, that's it. So you know, I I don't really I don't really get upset about it. I think you know, if my job was uh, on the shelf, you know, after six seven years, I'd probably be you know pretty prone to be in my editor's office at any given time going how about a little bit more i I think any of us would so you know it doesn't bother me that much it can be gone about in a way that is you know unpleasant but i don't feel like jones necessarily did that um take me then to the nfc where there are some loaded teams uh, in that conference, with the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, and on the West Coast, the Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Donald is a holdout, the best defensive lineman right now in the game. But are the Rams now poised after their playoff appearance last year? It didn't go well. But are they now poised to become the best team in the NFC? Well, I think that they're going to try and argue that. Um, you know, the, the NFC, as you pointed out, is, is just loaded. I mean, it's chock block a really good team. So it's going to be hard to stand out and be above and beyond the best of anyone else. You know, Carson Wentz comes back and is healthy in Philadelphia. That's a, that's a, that's a stacked team, you know. So you've got a lot of really good teams like that. But the Rams have that chance. If they can get Donald in, I think, it, I, I think the big difference is whether they have him or not. Because without him, it's a good defense, not a great defense. But I think he moves the needle that much. Or if they have him in, yeah, you're going to be in a situation where this team is going to is going to argue for being the best in the NFC. In which case, then you know, argue for best in in football currently. You know, Brandon Cooks is a nice addition. I don't really love how much money they gave him, but you know, they had it to spend. So go ahead. It gives Jared Goff another weapon, and Todd Gurley played much better last year in this new scheme. And I think a second year in, he's going to look really good. So offensively, I like what this team does. They have a def- decent defense. If they could figure something out with Donald, I think they're in a really good spot. So I, the Rams are a team that should be generating a lot of excitement. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough even to get out of the NFC West because, of course, you've got, you know, a, a potentially resurgent San Francisco team. You've got Seattle that's looking to bounce back. You know, you, you've got a, a lot of teams there that could play well. Even Even Arizona, I think, could look better this year. So, It's going to be tough just getting out of there, but I feel like the Rams have the weapons to do it. Andrew, I want to go big picture with you and the NFL as a whole. You know, they had the anthem protests a year ago. You had uh, just a a whole bunch of different things that have happened with the league. I don't want to say that it's Teflon, numbers down, television ratings down a little bit, but that's across the board, not just in sports, but across the television landscape as a whole. When you look at the NFL and the the sustainability at the high level that they've been for so long now. What do you think about this league, big, big picture? Yeah, you know, it's really hard to read the tea leaves going forward. Like you said, everybody's ratings were kind of down. Um, you know, I, I think 
I think the entertainment industry and sports as part of that is still struggling to figure out how to deal with cord cutters and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, politics have entered into it in a way that hadn't happened in quite a while. So I, I think that there's some impact there, uh, and it makes it a little difficult to see down the road, you know, add in CTE and things like that. But, you know, the NFL looks as strong as it's ever been. You know, even with, even if it looked a, even if it looks a little bit shaky, like it's shaky is is something that any league or business would beg to have. You know, so I think they're in pretty good shape. I think the biggest problem with the NFL is getting in its own way. And, and that's kind of an across-the-board thing, too. It's a macro thing, not only with micromanaging how an official is supposed to figure out whether something's a catch or not, and we're going to, you know, now we're going to slow down, and you can have replays here but not here, and, like, all of that garbage. But, you know, even stuff off the field, you know, and, and the way that they suspend players and deal with players, you know, it, it's, so, it's so haphazard that it, it's almost better if they didn't do anything or took a much different approach like waiting for, whatever legal issues or whatever else was going on. So I think, if anything, the fact that they keep getting in their own way could cause it to have problems. But I think, you know, the only, the only league, the only sports league that's going to come close is the NBA, and I don't quite think they're there. I think they have a, a couple of hurdles to get to the NFL. Um, you know, we're talking next five to ten years, we could see something different. But I think the NFL is as strong as it's ever been, uh, you know, despite all of the distractions at the end of the day. Everybody plugs in on Sunday and Sunday night and Monday night and occasionally on Thursday. So, Andrew Garda is our guest. We're talking the National Football League. Your thoughts on guys arriving a little differently. I've seen guys pull up in chariots, on bicycles, in crazy-looking cars, in big-time limos. I don't remember somebody else, however, landing in a helicopter. Had you seen that before until it was done at Steelers camp? No, I can't say that's one that I've seen before. I had to go back and like reread when I read that because I was like, he did what now? Hey, listen, <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing is, is as, as any of us can say, and it doesn't matter what your job is, uh, the reality is, is you want to enjoy going to your job, right? Like, you want to have a good time, you want to be there, you want to be excited. And it seems to me that the guys who are arriving like that way are really excited to be there. You know, they're really happy to be there, and they want to have a little fun. And, and I'm, I'm good with that. And, and one of the things that, you know, go, even going back a little bit to our last conversation topic, you know, one of the reasons that people like the NFL is because of the personalities. You know, sometimes it rubs them the wrong way, but... For the most part, it's fun. They're having fun. We, we like to get to know them. We like to get to know their antics. We like to know a little bit more about them. And, you know, we, we like to see that they're enjoying themselves because, you know, it, it, even, even if it's unfair, you know, we compare it to our jobs. We compare it to the money we make. We're like, if you're making several million dollars, like, you should come in on a unicycle dressed as a clown. You should be so happy. So <laughs> I think stuff like that is fine. I think it's fun. I think it breaks the monotony of opening camp. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, it, it's a good time. I think we should enjoy it. Awesome. Hey, Andrew, looking forward to football season. Thank you so much for your time. I know we'll be ringing your bell a time or two coming up in the month of August, getting ready for football. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad to be back, and I'll do it anytime, man. You know, Football is in my blood, which is probably something I should get tested. So. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Andrew. No problem. Andrew Garda, Pro Football Weekly, joining us here on Jimmy B and TC. And Jim Brinson, do you realize this is the last weekend without football until February? That's just awesome. 
Absolutely. Well, that's not technically correct because that new uh, Alliance Football League is going to begin no, play. stop with that crap. That's, yeah, that doesn't that's, count. It's, it's garbage. What do you Get mean? out of here. How Come do you on. know it's garbage? You can't say it's garbage. You haven't even seen the teams play yet. It'll be garbage, Jim. We've seen this reiteration <laughs> too many all times. All I'm before. saying is, all I'm saying is, is that there will be some sort of football on that will carry us all the way to April. So I'm good with that, Trenton. Yes, I know where you're going well, with you, this you, with college you break, and NFL. Yeah, yeah. You break down the Alliance football I'll league. I'll break be down watching, the Alliance football I'll league. be watching college basketball during that time. You do that. <laughs> Get out of here, Alliance Football League. Crapping on my point. We're taking a break so I can punch you. Coming back on the other side with more, it's Jimmy B and TC. Final segment here today. Jimmy B and TC continues on. Good stuff out of Zuba Mahente and uh, a lot of NFL talk there with Andrew Garda here in the 5 o'clock hour. Jim, football season, it's uh, getting closer and closer. That is a good thing. And uh, pads are popping out there, getting the training camp reports. We'll Start to hear some information with August Camp from Iowa State. Jimmy B, are you ready for football? I definitely am, pal. You know me. I'm, I'm always dialed in for the NFL and, and college football. Look, and it'll be funny next week because we're going to get the Hall of Fame game. And we'll sit and we will discuss the Hall of Fame game where the starters will play maybe a series and that's it. And then it'll be guys that are just trying to make the team or guys that you've never heard of before. You'll have to go to your iPad or your computer or your phone and try to look up, where did this guy play? Jacksonville State? <laughs> so from that, from that aspect of it, Trent, uh, it's, it's always fun. And I, it's, it's just, and you watch, the Hall of Fame game will have a big audience, mm -hmm. and it'll be terrible football. But we won't care. We just won't care because the NFL will be back. And that's all we need, Jimmy B. Well, yes. before we get to that point, though, we still got uh, a few more things on the sports calendar. Watched a little bit of the Senior British Open today, and boy, not nearly as entertaining as uh, the normal British <laughs> Open. No, no, it's pretty ho-hum. Uh, you don't have Tiger Woods taking the lead. Uh, you don't have uh, Francesco Merrill, uh, Molinari uh, winning on the last two holes. It's, it's totally different, and I, I'm with you. I peeked at it a little bit. Um, I, I don't know, Trent. Look, the, uh, the senior guys, it's fun when they show up. For the principal charity classic, mm -hmm. I always go. Like like to hang out there. It's it's a great tournament for a great cause, but it is it is totally different than watching the the big guns do what they do. Not to say that those guys weren't big guns in their day, because a lot of them were. But you know, when you're up in age, you just can't do the things that you used to do. So from I, I guess looking at it like that, it's 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 fine, but you're right. The same mystique that the British Open had, the uh, British Senior Open, not even close. No, no, made that mistake, but uh, luckily had a little baseball here this afternoon. That yes. was fun. What's on your agenda tonight here? What is it, a Thursday? I can't even keep track of the days anymore, Brinson. I know you can't. Uh, I'm going to be uh, dialed in, and I like a fool. 
Uh, I'm going to uh, sample a little bit of your Minnesota Twins Ooh. playing at Boston. I know, I know you're not happy about that, but I just want to see if the Red Sox just continue to roll the way that they have been rolling. Also, I'm probably going to look at some of that Dodgers-Atlanta Braves game. Mm -hmm. And who would have thought that we would be saying Atlanta at this time of the year? But they are playing sensational baseball, hosting L.A. So I'll probably sample that. And the late-night game is Milwaukee. So I'll probably sample some of that, too, just to see if the Brewers can keep it going uh, at San Francisco. Got that. Makes a little bit of sense. I can certainly buy what you're selling. So a night of baseball. uh, I got some baseball myself. I'll be out at the Little League Diamonds here this evening and getting ready to call uh, the Little League Iowa Championship. Going to be a lot of fun doing that for Mediacom, and that'll be coming up uh, over the next couple of days over there on MC22. So I got myself a, a busy day too, Jimmy B. And then just like that, back at it tomorrow, the weekend will be upon us, and Away we go once again with another. All right, I'm just. I'm, you got. It. I'm just going to tell you right now. When you get done, mm-hmm. you're not. You're not going to be able to just go home and go to sleep. Right. Okay. So stop and throw one or two down. By the time you get home, you'll start to relax a little bit, and then you'll finally be able to drift off, okay? Because you just can't turn your mind off when you're doing all of that that play-by-play. It's impossible to do. Jimmy B's twisting my arm telling me to drink beer. All right, I I will will acquiesce (laughs) on that one. No problem at all. And uh, try to get started here on a Friday tomorrow. We'll be back at it, a football Friday. Well, not with real football, but we'll still have plenty to talk about tomorrow leading into the state baseball tournament, the semifinal round with West Des Moines Valley and Urbandale, both playing in the semifinals. We'll have the coverage here starting at 5 o'clock on 1700. Back tomorrow, myself and Ken Miller over the noon hour from noon until 2, and then Jimmy B and TC on your drive home starting at 4 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there, for listening in. We'll talk to you tomorrow.